Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. It's actually called the Sermon on the Mount when you look at it in the book of Matthew. And it's a message that Jesus gave, uh, it's, and it's the most popular one that he ever gave. And at the beginning of it, Jesus makes a certain, a certain amount of statements. He makes these eight statements that are, that are uh, well, really countercultural. Uh, a lot of us know them as the Beatitudes, but they're countercultural to our lives because the world just doesn't do things the way Jesus is describing them. The world doesn't value what Jesus is, is laid out for us in these eight statements that he makes before he gets to his actual message. And uh, each one of them has two parts to it that, that I've talked about every week, but if you're new with us, I want to make sure you understand this. The first part of it, all of them say, blessed are, right? They start off with that statement, and they end with, for theirs is or for they will be, right? So, so this blessed are is not the kind of blessing that we think it's, it's best. That word, uh, makarios, in the, in the uh, Greek is translated blessed, but it's, it would probably be better translated as happy. But the problem with saying happy is, you go, well, I think I know what happy is. And for us, happy uh, means that, or that happiness we have is based off of happenings in our life. So that when things are going well, when our marriage is going well, when our kids are behaving, when we've got money in the bank, when things are going well in our job and we're advancing in our career or whatever, when everything's going good, when the happenings are good, then we are happy. But that's not what this word is. This word is not happiness that is based on happenings. It is a joy that you have internally that is beyond your circumstances that ultimately is rooted in a relationship uh, where you trust God. Amen, everybody? That's what that is. So, so you're blessed when you are rooted in a relationship and a trusting relationship with God. And when you're rooted there, blessed are you, and Jesus names the reasons why you would be blessed, for theirs is. In other words, what he's saying is that Hey, there's more than fire insurance here. Some people said yes to Jesus just to make sure that you don't go to hell, but you're still living hell on this earth. And the Bible says there's more for you. There's more to your relationship. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I want all that Jesus paid for me to have. Amen, everybody? When I go to a restaurant, if it's free, it's for me. I want it. Like if I paid for it, if it's included in the cost, I want it. And when we show up to stuff that's included in the cost, we should make sure we get all that we can have. Even if we're just going to tuck it into our purses and take it home to our fur babies at home. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I paid for it. It's included. Give me a box. I'm going to have it to go. <laughs> Jesus, what he paid for for each of us was to have a full and fulfilled Life. And so he's laid out this path for us to have exactly that. His teachings, of course, are upside down culturally. The world just doesn't live like this. But if you choose to, you can by God's power. His teaching, of course, is challenging. In fact, I heard one theologian say about the Beatitudes is that each one is the nail in the coffin of self. That's so good. If you're taking notes today, that's what these are. They're a nail in the coffin of self. Each will require some part of your life or some, some death to some area of your life. Look at the, the, the ones we've done so far. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is death to your pride because you have to come in and say, I need you. I can't do this on my own. That's hard for us to do in the Western world, right? To admit in America, to say we can't do something, but recognizing we are poor in spirit, that we are bankrupt and spiritually destitute, 
cannot do this without Jesus. There's going to have to be death to our pride. Blessed are those who mourn. There's a death to understanding the why the things happen in our life and why the circumstances aren't going the way that we want them to. We wind up landing in a place where we need to trust God. Blessed are the meek. There's death to my plans. Blessed are the hunger, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Death to our sinful appetites. Blessed are the merciful. Death to our right to vengeance. Boy, we hate that one. Blessed are the pure in heart, and that's death to our old self. Each is a nail in the coffin of self. And they're challenging. They're hard, but they're totally worth it. It's like one of those things that hurts, but hurts real good. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's ultimately, every time we walk into this space, we are becoming more and more like Jesus, which of course is the goal. So let's get into today's beatitude. This is Matthew 5, 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, when we read verses like this, I think we already think we know what it means. So let me break it down for you a little bit. First of all, understand that living a life of peace that this was the highest goal. This was, in Jewish culture, this was the, to have peace was the highest ideal of life. And I think that you and I would agree that if we sat down in conversation, that the one thing that each of us could use more of in our lives is peace. And I think more than ever before, because the number one thing that continues to seem to increase in this world around us is crazy. Do y'all know what I'm saying? Like, it's just crazy some of the stuff that is happening right now. Some of the stuff I never thought I would see happen in my life, I'm seeing happen in our world socially, politically. It's, it, is, it is unbelievable to me, the things that are happening. Peace is something we need now more than ever before. But let me make sure that we're talking about the same kind of peace. Let me bring some clarity to it, because if you don't know what God's peace is or what the Bible is talking about then you won't know where to look for it, right? You'll look for it in all the wrong places. First, let me tell you, peace is not the absence of something. We think that we'll have peace when this thing gets removed from our lives, when, when, when it's gone, when it's no longer causing the turmoil. But that's not what peace is. We think that, that peace would be kind of like a, a, the peace sign, right? The, the, this is the peace sign. This is very popular. Well, you know what this means? This was a sign of, of world peace, right? Because we think that, that when there's no more war, then we'll have peace. But that's not what peace is. That, that's not the peace the Bible's talking about. Or we think that, that when we're, we're in right relationship with one another, that, that when there's an absence of conflict and an absence of disagreement, then there is peace. But that's, that's not the peace the Bible's talking about either. In fact, it's also not all about, uh, all about activities or experiences. It certainly isn't that for me. That's, that's, not, that's not peace right there. But some of you find peace in, in, your, in your exercise, or you find, you find peace in the absence, ultimately, of stress and anxiety in environments where, where you, you just feel like, man, I'm just, whew, right? It's not the absence of anxiety or stress. It's not even the absence of interruption, places that you can go where you can experience some peace like the beach or to the forest or the bathroom. Parents, if you know, you know. You would think it's your place of peace. I can't get no peace there. If I go in, that bathroom will be fine. It will sit 
untouched for hours. But if I go in there, 10 seconds, I'm in the bathroom. Hey, hey, what you doing in there? Shall I describe it to you? The door is closed. It's locked. Don't, don't. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> it's not the absence of interruption. That's not peace. We try these things. We look for peace in these things, right? But, but there's not a lasting peace. There's, there's more of escapism, right? We're, we're, we have moments where we escape. But here's what the Bible says. The world is talking about peace. The world says, peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. The world talks about all these things and goes, yeah, you're going to find peace in that. You're going to find peace in your yoga. You're going to find peace in the absence of stress. You're going to find peace on the beach. No, you won't. No, you won't. You're not going to find peace in the absence of something. It's actually the opposite. Real peace is found in the presence of something. Come on, somebody. This is so good. Real peace is found in the presence of something. So here's the biblical word for peace. Let me explain it to you. The, the biblical word that, that is used there is transla- that is translated to peace is the word shalom. And shalom means wholeness. It means completeness, fulfillment, inner rest. My goodness, that's peace. Living without deficiency or lack. This, my friends, is God's plan for us. Did, did you read that? I'll read it to you again. Wholeness, completeness, fulfillment, inner rest, living without deficiency or lack. I want that. And I know that you want that as well. The best news is that, that, that I can give you today is that peace, that peace that you're looking for, that peace that you need, that peace that you're longing for is not based on your circumstances. That shalom, that kind of peace can be found in every single situation. You can experience that kind of peace. That's what God has for us. That's what I want for you, and and it's important. It's important that we understand what we're targeting so we understand where we're looking for it. Amen, everybody? And it's also important when when we talk about this scripture versus talking about being a peacemaker, we need to understand what peace is. We need to understand how to get it before we can ever be somebody who gives it and demonstrates it to someone else. It's important that we know what peace is and experience it. You'll notice that, that the verse here doesn't say, blessed are the peaceful. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, that you have a responsibility and you have a, a role here to receive God's peace, to, to, get, to get what is actually peace, the shalom peace, to get that peace so that you can give it to someone else. God doesn't want you just to be a peace recipient he wants you to be a peace doer, right? Because that's what that, the second part of that word, peacemaker. That's a doer, somebody that's doing it. He wants you to be somebody who receives it and gives it to someone else. And he wants you to do that wherever you go and in every situation you find yourself. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, there's a very distinct difference, and I want to make it very clear here right up at the beginning. There's a very distinct difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping, Okay? Peacemaking versus peacekeeping is very, very different. Peacekeeping is what you do and how you bend and distort your own life and your own views and your own values to make sure that everybody else in the world is okay. It's where you avoid stepping into conflict. You avoid putting up boundaries. You just want to, I just want everybody to be happy. I don't want to stir the pot. 
If, if I say that, ouch, that's hurting me emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically, if I, if I say that, then I might lose that relationship. So I'm, I'm just going to keep the peace. I, I'm not going to tell them they can't do that to me anymore. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep the peace. I'm going to avoid conflict, and I'm going to appease. Peacemaking, my friends, requires that we trust God enough to step into that conflict, just not to get to be out there and be controversial for the sake of being controversial, but to step into that conflict and bring peace to it, to step into a place anywhere, really, that there is a lack of peace and step in with God's peace. We will be blessed we will, when we have God's peace and we make it for others. So back to the verse, throw it back up here on the screen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, it's interesting here. It doesn't say that, that they will call themselves the children of God. It says they will be called the children of God because you know what? God is the God of peace. Check it out. His son, Jesus, do you know what he is? Yeah. You read your scriptures and it says that he's the prince of peace. He's the son of God. And guess what we are? We are joint heirs with Christ. In other words, when we say yes to Jesus, we get spiritually adopted into this awesome spiritual family, and we become sons and daughters of God too in Christ, right? That means that we're, we're in, 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 the, in the line with him. We, we become princes along with Jesus, and we become children of God. That means that we, we in him become God's kids. It means we've got a responsibility to be peacemakers just like Jesus. God of peace, the prince of peace. Peacemakers will be called the children of God. So let me say it to you this way. We are never more like God than when we take the wholeness and completeness, excuse me, the completeness, the shalom of God we have into a world that desperately needs it. You ever known somebody that, that man, you knew Who's, who, or, sorry, you ever known a kid that you knew who their parent was based on how that kid acted? <laughs> that could be good and bad. I can hear how that's going right now. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's stretches, stretches out here across the room. But like, like think about that. that. That the way we behave, the world will know who we belong to. Oh, those are God's kids because they're peacemakers. So how do we do this? How do we be peacemakers, especially in this day and age where being a peacemaker feels like it's just downright impossible? How do we do that? Well, the first step, of course, is that we've got to experience peace. And, and I've got three ways that, that, I, that I believe that we can experience peace, but we have a responsibility to, to know what it is and to experience it ourselves, to, to make sure we're looking in the right places for it. And the right place to look is in God's word. So here's, here's three, three ways that God's word says we can experience his peace. The first one is to experience peace with our God. God is the source of all peace. That's who he is. And for those of you who have entered into a relationship with God, you know what I'm talking about, that you can have peace with God. Paul said this in Romans 5, verse 1. He said, therefore, since we have, made, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith. What Paul is talking about there is that since we placed our faith in Jesus, Jesus, the one, the one that God sent, his only son, to live a perfect and sinless life, to choose to lay down his life for us, to be beaten cruelly and murdered on a cross, 
to be buried and to rise from the dead three days later. Jesus lived a perfect life because we couldn't. And he paid a price for us with his life. That sacrifice made it so that you and I could be forgiven. So that we could have a brand new start, a brand new heart. And that we could be made right with God. Now, if you've never done that before, we'll have an opportunity to pray at the end of service together to make that decision. But understand, that's what Paul is talking about. Since we've been made right, these are people that have said, Jesus, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I've got nothing I can do to make myself right. I need you. He said, if you place your faith in him, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. That's a good place to shout right there. That's a good place to get excited. I think we read things like this and we forget this is a place we ought to stop and celebrate. This is a point when we ought to be worshiping and thanking God like, man, that was me. I have been made right. He says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Amen. Amen, indeed, John. Amen. This is an undeserved place that we are in, and yet here we are experiencing it. We need to remember, we were once lost, but are now found. So you can experience peace with God. And then, once you've experienced peace with God, you can experience peace within yourself. That's an important thing. Again, Paul says this, and this is one of my favorite verses, that no matter what you're going through, you need to understand, it's in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, I actually like the verse just before this, and what it says just before it is that God is near. <laughs> How many of you know that when God is near, everything's going to be okay? God is near. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't worry, I'll break all this down. He says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing this to the church at Philippi from a jail cell. From a jail cell where he's waiting to die. He's waiting to, waiting to appear before Caesar and, and knows that he's going to be executed at some point in time. Lives out, lives out in this jail for years. And he's writing to this church at Philippi and he's saying, hey guys, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing, yeah, see, He's, it's like, Paul, what is wrong with you? You're in jail, homie. It's not like you're just in New Jersey. You're in jail. You're, you're, you're stuck, bro. This is end game. And he's telling them, hey, you don't have to worry about a thing. It's all going to be all right. And he lays out a path. He's like, and, this is, and I'm experiencing peace. And I'm telling you that my circumstances are crappy, but I'm sitting here in the peace of God. And if you want it, here's how you get it. Here's how you get it. So if you want to have something that the world doesn't understand, peace that passes understanding, here's how you get it. And this is powerful, by the way. In fact, when I, when I have conversations with fellow believers and they tell me they're worried about something, my first question is, how are you praying about this? What's your conversation with the Lord look like? Because I know if they're in a state of worry, they're probably not talking about him because God promises that when you do talk to him about whatever it is you're going through, you'll have peace. 
Here's what this verse says. It says this, that, that, that if you'll pray, that means you'll just talk to God. Just talk to him about whatever's going on, whatever's on your heart. And with petition, now you tell God, hey, God, this is what I'd like to see happen in this situation. And then he says, with thanksgiving. Now, I don't think Paul is crazy enough to believe that either one of us is going to be thankful for our circumstances. But you know what he's saying here is? You can thank God in this moment for his faithfulness in the past. Because every time I stop and remember God's faithfulness to me in the past, what it does is it builds my faith for the future. When I remember his faithfulness, it causes me to trust him with what I'm going through now and my tomorrow. Because when I remember that faithfulness, See, if you want to know God's track record or if you want to know what God is going to be tomorrow because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, look at his faithfulness to you in the past. That means he's going to be faithful to you now. He's going to be faithful to you tomorrow. He's faithful. 100% track record, faithful, period. I love that. I love that. And we can be thankful for what we have gone through, and then we can thank him because we know you were faithful to us then. We know you're going to be faithful to us now. We don't know how. We don't know how the circumstances are going to change. We don't know if you're going, to, you're going to do what we've asked, but we trust you. And therefore, we have peace. The God of peace will be with us. This is a powerful verse, especially in a crazy world that we're in. Inflation, gas prices climbing. It seems, it seems like they're going down a little bit, thank God. War, supply issues. Man, I have, I have never in my life walked down a grocery aisle and seen so many empty shelves. Am I the only one seeing that, or are you all paying attention? Is everybody click listening, and it's getting shipped to your house, and you're not even going to the grocery store anymore, so you don't know? But I, I, I've just never, I've never, I've never seen anything like it before. Well, I'm not just talking about the toilet paper rolls and, and the, the, those aisles being empty. I'm talking about frozen food sections, just, just tons of them empty. Meat sections empty. Bread sections empty. On a regular basis, I've never seen anything like it in my life. The us versus them mentality that is perpetrated in this world today. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen people publicly calling for conservatives and Christians to be harassed in the way that they're doing today because something got overturned by the Supreme Court. I've never heard, never seen so much tension politically in my life. It's crazy. And verses like this speak to the power that God offers you, a peace that will pass all understanding despite these things. It's what we need. It doesn't, that verse doesn't say that everything's going to change. It promises you peace in the midst of. And that's powerful, friends. That's a game changer. In fact, I would say, to you, say this to you, that when a problem causes you to lose your peace, don't hurry to resolve the problem in hopes of regaining peace. But first, regain peace and then see what can be done about the problem. Oh, 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 oh. We want our circumstances to change. Then we'll submit to peace and we'll be peaceful. This is not what God is calling us to. He is calling us to peace despite our circumstances. It's a different mindset. I'm not going to try to change my circumstance. First, I'm going to find peace, and then we'll see what can be done about the problem. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Do these things, and God promises his peace. 
that you'll experience peace with God. You can experience peace no matter what's going on within yourself. And you got to do the first two to get to this third one. You can experience peace, peace with your circumstances. Jesus said this in John 16, He said, hey, I have told you these things. All this mess is coming. He said, I told you these things so that in me, you can have peace. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. <clears throat> it's coming. He said, my God, Aaron, I need you on a Sunday morning to be more positive. I've been beat up all week long. Fine. According to Jesus' words, I'm positive that trouble is coming. You guys are so nice to laugh at that every single time. You really are. It's true, though. Hmm. Trouble is coming. He said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He's overcome. I, I don't know about you, but this is, this is a powerful thing that, that and when you're walking with Jesus, you're walking with the Prince of Peace. You're serving the God of Peace. You're experiencing his peace within yourself and with him. That every circumstance you walk through can be a peaceful one. It, it, it just changes everything. It changed the pandemic for me. I don't know about you. I mean, when it hit in 2020, I was, of course, leaning in and listening. <coughs> we, of course... Wanted to walk with every bit of wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding that was available to us then. We made decisions accordingly to protect people and keep them safe according to every bit of knowledge that we had. We made those decisions. Some weren't popular because every decision on, was, was, political, was politicized. We had people leave our church because of the way we, we, we made decisions along that time. But I have to tell you personally... Though we made decisions to protect people, though, though we, we did, did the best we could with what we had, I personally wasn't afraid. I personally didn't live a fearful life. In fact, when everything shut down and we were stopped being able to be together, the thing that, that I wanted to do the most was to get out and to serve because I knew there were still hurting and broken people out there. And I remember having a conversation with my wife like, if I go out there and if it's as bad as they say, I'll wear the mask, I'll do everything they tell me to, but if it's as bad as they say, and I catch COVID because I served somebody a meal, then bless God, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Are y'all hearing me? See, when you're enamored with this world, we live a fearful life. But when you understand that this home, this place, this isn't our final place, we're here for a short time, and I'm not telling you to be unwise. I'm not telling you to go out and risk your life like that unless the Holy Spirit has sent you out. But I felt like I was on a God mission to go out and serve some people. And I went out, and I did that, and I walked with this peace. I walked into hospitals and prayed with people. I went into people's homes just not afraid, knowing that if I got it, and I did, I would live through it, and hi, here I am. I'm not saying it wasn't fun because it was, or it was fun because it wasn't. I did not enjoy being sick. And I know any of you that have gotten it, you did not enjoy being sick. That's not my point. My point is, is that I had peace before it. I had peace in the midst of it. I've got peace afterwards that had nothing to do with whether or not I was safe. Because I know that if I leave this world in whatever manner the Lord says it's okay for me to go, I'm going to be with him. 
See, there's peace there too. You can have peace with God, peace within yourself, and peace in every circumstance. Because you know what? No matter how it turns out, I'm going to be with Jesus. And I don't know if you know it or you realize it yet, but it's better. It's better. It's better. We're going to have trouble in this world, but we need to shift our expectation. We need to shift our perspective. Earth is not our final destination. God's presence is. So I'm going to go through what I'm going to go through, but I'm on my way to him. And there's peace you can have no matter what. So experience peace with God within ourselves and in every circumstance. And that's where peacemaking starts, you guys. You got to experience it for yourself. And only then can you be somebody who extends peace. We need to experience it. And then it's our call to extend peace. This is where we become peacemakers. Now, the Bible describes peace as a river, not a lake. Because you know what a river does? It flows. It extends to new places. It's kind of like us here at Simple Church, where we are a church that is reaching. Yes, we have Sunday morning services where the lost are welcome to come, but we are a church that goes. We reach like a river. We carry God's peace out into our community, into the parts of the world. That's our responsibility. And having received peace, we are charged to take it or become carriers to others. And for us to do that, I, I'm telling you, we've got to have a, a, a few things in mind. We've got to have a few perspective shifts that I'm going to challenge you with today. First, you need to understand that there, there are people that you're going to go to that, that you're not going to want to go to. Because I'm telling you to carry this into every situation. And there are some people you're like, nah, I don't think so. Now, I don't, I don't understand their culture. I don't understand... I don't understand their ethnicity. I don't understand their religion. I don't understand their language. Do they speak English? I don't understand whatever. You can get, come up with 100 excuses. The real issue that's at work here and, and the things that divide us all, we got to stay focused on. So we got to stay focused on the real issues. See, the enemy of peace isn't the bank. It isn't the mortgage. It isn't your job. It isn't your boss. It isn't that state up north. Actually, they, they are the real enemy, I think. It isn't your politics. It isn't social media. These are not the real enemy. The, the scripture is very clear about who your real enemy is, and it's not a person. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, talking about Satan, your spiritual enemy, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus, on the contrary, says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is why Jesus came, so that we could have life abundantly full and fulfilled life. It's part of who we are supposed to be. It's part of our definition of that word shalom. That's wholeness, completeness, fulfillment. The enemy came to empty us of things, to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to fill us up. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against a spiritual adversary who wants to destroy your life. And so extending peace requires that we, we focus on that issue to understand that, hey, the, the, the people that we need to extend peace to, the people that need to know God's peace, the peace that we need to bring in to those situations where peace is absent, we need to understand there's an enemy. And that people that are hurting you hurt people hurt people. But there's some peace they need too. Once you understand 
that, that, that where that peace is absent in their life is not because of them. It's not because of, of their flesh and blood. It's because of an enemy that is at work in their life too. We need to, to make sure we, we practice seeing others through God's eyes. This is important because the enemy is trying hard. He is fighting so hard to try to divide us, to cause tensions among us over our very differences, down to our, our gender, the color of our skin, to things that are, are relatively more important, maybe, maybe our nationality or, or, or our, our, our political beliefs, our religious beliefs, who we believe God is and how we get to heaven. We are divided. The enemy is trying to divide us and pit us against one another, and I think he's doing a great job creating a me versus them mentality. You want me to prove it to you? I'll, I can prove it to you and say one word and cause the tension in this room to thicken with one word. Are you ready? Trump. <laughs> I'm not being for or against. Don't get me. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Look how divided that, that you feel. Look how divided. Look at the emotions you feel around that word. <laughs> Do you know what trumps that situation? Do you know what trumps that name? Jesus. But the enemy's done such a great job that our politics have become more important than our Jesus has. That we start seeing people through the lens of how they voted. We start seeing people through the lens of their sexuality. We start seeing people through the lens of their moral values. We start seeing people through the lens of what they think is right and what they think is wrong publicly. And if they don't see how we see, we can't just go, well, you guys are obviously different. Have a great day. Death to all people who don't agree with me. Rawr, you gotta go. Let's persecute. Let, let, let's cause chaos in their lives so that they learn their lesson that we're right and they're wrong. Are y'all paying attention to what's going on in the world today? Or am, I, is, am, I, is, am I the only one seeing this? I know we don't like to see it, but am I, am I the only one seeing it? Instead, what we need to do is find common ground with each other, not find out what's different about us, but the enemy wants us to find our differences. And he wants us to fight with each other over those differences. We turn on each other. We're out of each other's throats all the time. But God, God starts in a different place. He sees us for what makes us the same. In fact, the Bible starts with common ground for all of us. Genesis 1:27. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. See, there's lots of differences out there among us. But you know what the, thing, the number one thing that is common, every person in the planet has in common here, is we're made in the image of God. That's it. That means that each and every single one of us is worthy of respect, is worthy of dignity, and is worthy of having compassion uh, shared, shared on them. If you don't believe this, if you don't believe that every person is made in the image of God, then, then when it comes time to reaching, when it comes time to being a peacemaker, you won't step into those spaces. You, you'll leave those dividing lines up there. You'll be, you'll be a people who refuse to cross, uh, cross those dividing lines. You'll be like Jonah. Jonah from the Bible, we, we know much of Jonah's story, but Jonah from the Bible was sent to a city called Nineveh. 
And we, we, we know the story of Jonah because Jonah is the one who got swallowed by the big fish. You know, he started nomming on, on, on Jonah's body. Nom, 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 you know, just for a couple of days. But what you don't know is how he got there in the first place was God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of a, of a nation called Assyria. Assyria was bad people, man. They had committed atrocious war crimes. And Jonah, though he was a prophet of the day, cared more about his nationality than he did God's grace and his mercy. And he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't think the Assyrians deserved God's grace. He didn't want them to experience. In fact, when he got there and he preached, he finally got there. The the fish spits him up because Jonah repents and he preaches. Everybody in Nineveh repents and turns to God. And Jonah goes, I knew you were going to do that. I knew I was going to preach that that the whole world was going to end and that everybody was going to turn their hearts to you and you weren't going to punish them after all. I knew. And he goes and pouts. It's a true story. There's great drama in the Bible. You guys should read your Bible, book of Jonah. Just, Just telling you. He pouts. The whole book ends with him pouting. No redemption for Jonah's story. It's terrible. But he doesn't want to be a peacemaker for them or bring them peace because he doesn't believe they deserve it. And God is saying, they're my children. They're made in my image. We've got to have that view of people. We have to have it. We have to be a peacemaker and see others through his eyes. To do that, how do, we, how do we see God, see people through other people's eyes, or through God's eyes, excuse me? We've got to get into his word. We've got to spend time with him. You know, we have a responsibility to know God. We have a responsibility to, to find freedom from some of these attitudes and these ways that we've lived our lives and the divisions that we've allowed in our lives. We, we've got to continue to discover our purpose and continue to be out there, somebody that is living to make a difference. Wash, rinse, repeat, do it over and over again. Stay in that process of becoming more like Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And you'll start to see people the way God does. And becoming more like him finally means that, that we spread peace by living peace. This is the mindset you've got to have. We spread peace by living peace. So once you've experienced the peace of God and you're walking with him, understanding how he sees us, now you're equipped to extend that same peace to other people. Martin Luther King Jr. said, be the peace you wish to see in the world. That's the call, guys. Be the peace you wish to see in the world. God's called us to this, to carry his peace into every place that it is absent. James 3.18 says, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That's us as peacemakers. We're just supposed to sow seeds. And the way we sow our seeds is we go out there and we live our lives. We live our lives and let our lives be salt and light to those around us so that people will see how we live our lives. People will see that we live a life of peace and they'll want it. They'll desire it. They'll want to know what's different about your life. John Maxwell, one of my favorite leadership guys, he he goes out and he speaks and he's like, there are five things you need in your life. He said, but I'm only going to talk about four. And people go, what's the fifth one? He says, oh no, I I don't think you'd be interested in it. Don't tell us. What's the fifth one? It's the, it's the peace of God. And he's like, but I'll, I'll talk to you about that after the event. And people line up because they want to understand the peace that he has. He said, I wish you had my peace. I wish you had my peace. And they say, oh, we wish we had it too. People are longing for peace. They'll see it in you and they'll want it. 
So we have to be a people who extend kindness, sow seed. We have to be people who extend goodness, sow seed. People that are humble, people that are slow to speak and quick to listen, sowing seeds. Being people that are willing to be first to apologize, sowing seeds. People that are seeking understanding, not, not seeking to be right. Be a people who are quick to forgive, sowing seeds. Come on, y'all. This is peacemaking. We sow seeds wherever incompleteness and turmoil exists in the world. And he says, we're sowing seeds and we'll reap a harvest. That's our job. So we experience peace. We extend peace. And now the whole world is watching as we evidence peace. You know, the verse ends and says, they'll be called children of God. Not that you become it, but that the whole world is going to see it. And they're going to acknowledge by the way that you're living that you are the children of God. That there's something different about you and about how you're going through what you're going through. In fact, one of the last prayers Jesus prayed for us is in John 17. This is the verse he prayed for me and you, for his followers. He's talking to his heavenly father and he said, the same glory you gave me, I gave them so that they'll be unified and together as we are. I and them and you and me, then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way you've loved me. We are God's evidence that God loves Jesus and that Jesus loves us. The peace that we carry into every place that it is absent is that evidence. The world needs that evidence. Amen, everybody? The world needs that evidence of God's love today. The greatest evidence of that is us living out the truth of God. The world will see it, and they'll want it. But let me just remind you of this. I already said it once, but I'm going to say it, and we're going to pray. We are never more like God than when we take the wholeness and completeness we have into a world that desperately needs it. Let's pray. Father, today I ask, Lord, for... for Many of us, or some of us, we've maybe forgotten how to experience peace. Maybe it's to experience peace with you, or peace within ourselves, or peace in every single one of our circumstances. We become enamored with our way, we become enamored with what we want, and enamored with this world, and have forgotten that this is not our final resting place. We've forgotten that there is peace that we can have in every situation. And God, today we've, we've been reminded that there is a pathway, that there is a power that is available to each and every single one of us to experience your peace, a peace that this world knows nothing about, a peace that this world cannot even begin to understand. So today I pray that for each and every one of us, Lord, as we turn towards your ways today, as we repent, that, God, you would help us to experience your peace in every area of our lives. That as we look to you and as we trust you, as we pray, as we cast all of our cares on you, that your peace would guard our hearts and our minds. And, Lord, I pray that Many of us, so we, we've, we've experienced your peace. We understand what it's like, but we've, 
We've struggled to be peacemakers. We've been peacekeepers. Or maybe we've just struggled to step across the dividing lines. Scared. Or maybe we don't have the right set of values of people around us. And Lord, we just pray that you do a transformational work in our hearts. To help us see people as you see people. To understand there's an enemy at work. And he is looking to destroy people's lives. And they're out there hurting people because they're hurting themselves. And that we have every opportunity to step in and offer your peace to their chaos-ridden world. Help us have the right perspective. Help us have the right mindset to love people the way that you have loved us. To go, to reach, to be peacemakers. And ultimately, God, to live this out in such a way that the world sees it and glorifies you, turns their eyes towards you. This is what I've been doing has not been satisfactory. The peace that I have is temporary and fleeting, and I need long and lasting peace. Father, may we be people who sow these seeds and reap a harvest. Help us to do it. Help us today. We want to walk in this verse. Blessed are the peacemakers. We want that blessing. As we continue in this moment of prayer, there are some of you that, that you need to experience peace with God. You don't have it. You're here today and you're like, you know what? I, maybe you've been coming to this church for a while. Maybe you've been going to church all your life and peace with God is not something you said you would say you've ever experienced. There's no pressure here in this moment, but the peace is here for you. And it comes through a relationship that you get to have, a, a, a personal relationship you get to have with God through his son, Jesus. And if you're ready to receive that, to be made brand new, to have your sins forgiven, to have the gap between you and, and God closed. Because see, God's not mad at you, by the way. You've probably been told all your life that he's angry at you, that if you stepped onto a church property, that lightning would strike you. And guess what? It didn't. You're here. God is not angry at you. The world wants you to believe that so that you don't come to him, but the greatest part of his day is giving you a fresh start. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be hanging on his refrigerator. He loves you that much. It would be hard, hard to understand why we wouldn't just receive this free gift by putting our life and our trust in his son, Jesus. If you're choosing to do that today, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'll give you the words. The words aren't important. It's the heart that believes. And with your mouth, a confession is made. And the Bible says this is what leads us to salvation. So if you're here today and you're ready to pray that prayer, I'll, I'll give you the words. But I, I do believe you need to make some kind of motion, some kind of step of faith. It's simply to raise your hand today. So if you're here and you're ready, just slip your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Not, we're, nobody's going to call you a sinner. We're going to celebrate you. So if you're here and you want to do that, just slip your hand up right now. Say, yep, that's me. If you're watching at home, make that decision. That's me. You can slip your hand up right where you're at. Do something. And if that's you and, we're, and you're praying that prayer today, we're all joining in the prayer because simple church, nobody prays by themselves. Let's all pray together out loud. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need to experience your peace. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. 
and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, whether you're here or watching online or listening on the podcast, this round of applause is for you. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. Celebrate, for real, for people who have said yes. Man, we're proud of you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the, the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.